I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. Topical Banter Show, RP Gamers Editorial Roundtable Podcast. I am Scott Wachter, and with me tonight are my co-hosts. Trent Sealy, editor and current columnist for RP Gamer. Sam Marcello, who is operations manager of RPGamer.com. I am Michael Cunningham, editor-in-chief and red mage-in-chief of RPGamer.com, which hopefully you all know since we're all on RP Gamer. You know, it, it's funny how indexing works. People will find this independent of RP Gamer. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Welcome to RP Gamer, if that is the case. <laughs> yeah, we have some good stuff up on our site. Come read it. Yes, read, read things. Like we said, editorial roundtable. First topic, does objectivity add anything to video game criticism? So I'm, good, I'm just going to open with a little primer. Little history. Objectivity is a myth that started in the 19th century when um, we finally had a middle class that could have had enough disposable income to pay for entertainment without necessarily having enough time and money to pay for all the entertainment that had been enjoyed by the upper classes uh, up until that point. So all of a sudden you had a bunch of newspapers running around try deciding for people what was worth their money. So this is a new development, and um, I, I'm not sure entirely if it's worth it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a bizarre trend, I wanna, truthfully. Yeah, I don't want to undercut the entire conversation just by saying no, though. Um, well, it, it's a good starting it, point. We, we will jump off from no, and we will elaborate yeah. on why no. <laughs> what your question was, was does it add anything to game criticism? And I want to say absolutely not. Because as far as objectivity goes, can you? Nobody has the same taste. Nobody has, you know. I can objectively say that this game has a start menu, or this game has options, things along those lines. But like as far every, as, like everyone should go read Jim Sterling's objective review of Final Fantasy Thirteen. Oh, that is a fantastic <laughs> like, review. One of his best reviews, that, if I might say. Th- this, this is something. Even if you hate Jim, which I've come to hate him less as time has gone by. And he's grown as an individual. But you, you should read this thing, because it really breaks down how bad objectivity really is. I think my favorite objectivity statement that he makes is that Final Fantasy thirteen is, in fact, a game. Which <laughs> is a highly politicized statement, to which I must respond to with, moo. <laughs> uh, indeed. But... Yeah, the question that you really put forth is it makes a lot of sense because people nowadays, whenever reviews come out for video games, nine times out of ten, you get to see these reviews before the general public has games, especially for big name games. Um, you know, as a game website that reports, sometimes we get these games early, sometimes we're getting them along with the general public. So a lot of times we're at least on the early curve of things. But when you post a review, Score or no score, which we'll get into another episode, I'm sure. Yes. But regardless of what you put in the review, if it has a negative connotation or a positive connotation, people will always come up and say, 
well, you're wrong or you're right. And they don't really know at that point. They're judging something on a game that they've never played, that they don't really know anything about besides what other people have told them. And how do they know? You know, how often do you get reviews that somebody comes out first and says, oh, well, this game, you all didn't like this game. You're ridiculous. There's no way. This is an objectively fantastic game. It's made by all these great people, only to have, you know, two weeks down the road when they actually played it themselves, come back and say, oh, wait, that really was awful. And there's a lot of situations like that, too. I mean, how often have we, even at RP Gamer, had that problem where people are like, you know, based on your opinion, I think I'm going to absolutely love this. Meanwhile, you know, we might have scored it like one out of five. Mm -hmm. And they'll state their reasons why they think they will love it to the point where you kind of look at them. It's like, okay, but you haven't played it yet. Mm -hmm. Like, even though I'm saying these are negatives, you know, how would you know if these negatives are something that aren't actually going to affect your actual experience like the time and eternity review i wrote is a great example of that because you know one of my beefs was sexism i'm a woman i'm allowed to be offended it's cool if you aren't but recognize that it exists Mm -hmm. well and and, okay i just want to touch on that really quick because again prior to this industrial you know this middle class consumption entertainment review model we have now that we're still struggling with um a critique was always, almost always, an academic piece that was specifically, had almost announced its viewpoint. You would have modernists critiquing romantic uh, fiction, or uh, even, or postmodernism was a critique of everything in and of itself. And now we're seeing feminist uh, theory, literary theory, come into video games. And obviously the second, uh, you know, the, the first thing anyone says is, oh, you're, you're just biased. Not biased, you are biased. <laughs> I, I, find it, I find it is really weird, and, and I'll agree to uh, Max's point that I, I, I don't think that there's any place uh, for objectivity in a criticism, um, but I understand its place in reviews, because I feel when people are sitting down to read a review, they want a really well-rounded overview of what that experience was for one person and part of that overview should include things like you know in-game features types of multiplayer whatever a plot synopsis may be like you want to get a kind of a groundwork for what the game is but i feel like because that's there and because uh, people are aware that objectivity exists in reviews in some respect they feel like it is like uh, the the crowning achievement like the ultimate goal of any review should be uh, being objective as possible, which I feel inherently goes against the nature of reviews in the first place. Well, let, well, again, to, to do that, to attain full objectivity, is to cast yourself outside humanity. Like, you want a robot to review the thing. And a <laughs> robot can certainly generate a list of features, Yeah, which... You know, does have value because some people are not going to play things in third per. Some people are just never going to play third person shooters. Yeah. So if the game is a third person shooter, they can check out there. Mm-hmm. And really, at that point, it's not really a review anymore. What yeah. you have at that point is just a description. We've had in the past, and I've tried to help curb this a little bit, but we've had reviews of games in the past. Um, A lot of these were maybe retro reviews or import reviews or just older reviews that came out. Um, A lot of reader reviews that we had that would sit down and would describe every system in the game, 
would describe a good plot synopsis from start to finish, would comment on the graphical style and the audio quality of the game, or the audio in the game, but very rarely would you hear any discussion on the reviewer's opinion. Um, the value judgments maybe, have to come in. Right. I've, you know, I never started off at this site or, you know, when I started here back in 06, I never really had any desire to review games. That's not why I started here. I wanted to discuss games. And when I first started reviewing, I kind of struggled with the fact of, you know, what do you really want to put here? You want to give a good enough description so that people that have no idea what you're talking about or no idea what the game is can understand it. But at the same time, what good does that do you if you're not telling them what you thought? Mm -hmm. Um, But you've, you've got a fine line to draw there because you don't really want to just say, well, this game is... You know, it's fantastic. You've got to give them some kind of shape and some kind of structure to understand that even if you don't like the game itself and you make that clear, mm-hmm. you tell them why you didn't like it. It could be something that they can totally get over or they don't care about. Somebody may hate a graphical style. They may hate, you know, the fact that it, a game drops frames or does stuff like that. That may really annoy somebody. Or have just a where, really annoying, um, shall, shall we say, undermining genre mash. <laughs> Well, you know, and it's funny you bring that up, Mac, because um, Mm -hmm. actually my Adventure Time review is a great example of that. Because there's a game where I lost my entire save file, but I refused to give it a one. Like, everyone assumes, oh, you lost your save file, therefore, like, it should be like a one out of five. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that because I know sitting down playing that game how much fun I had. She literally spent hours with in front of the TV giggling at things, and you know I'd ho- I'd hop in for multiplayer, and then we'd get the the hugs curse, and we'd laugh about how every time they got close, they had to hug, and, and, the and they'd scream no huggies. The dog would scream no huggies. But it's like you know I look at that and I go on a technical sense, yeah, this game has some really nasty technical flaws, but how do I? How do I ignore the part of me that said this game is still really fun? I couldn't do it. If it had hit you with technical flaws the entire time and you were able to derive no enjoyment from the game whatsoever, then that's when you hit the low-level stuff. If a game is unplayable completely, that's when you aim at a 1 or less than 1 or something along those lines. But yeah, if you can derive some enjoyment from a game... Yes, you, of course, have to factor in technical issues, because I'm sure your opinion of the game score regardless, but your entire opinion of the game would have been a lot higher had you gone through with no crashes and no save game yeah. loss. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like a lot of people have like at least one game that they can say probably wouldn't be accepted by a lot of people, but they personally enjoy. Well, and, I think uh, we I, as a website have that game. I think as a collective, we have all decided that Alpha Protocol is amazing. <laughs> I don't. I don't like Alpha Protocol. I'm one of those people who dislike Alpha Protocol as much as I love Obsidian. I, I can't. That and that's that. That personally, to me, is just because it's a third-person shooter where whether I can hit something or not is defined by a a, 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 a roll of the dice, which really makes my brain hurt because there's still a reticle in the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that, yeah, that, I mean that that is a good example as Scott brought up. Yeah, <laughs> Alpha Protocol is a really good example though because just right here on this podcast we have three people. I'm assuming Scott that you're also a fan. Um, Team C. The, yeah, the three of us here like it. Trent does not, but still we can 
come forward and say what aspects about the game we truly enjoyed. I had, um, there ha- in my time at RP Gamer, there has been very few games that I've played that have actually crashed on me. I've done maybe, I don't know, 100 reviews, give or take. Um, I've had Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Skyrim, Alpha Protocol, White Knight Chronicles, and possibly another, but at least those five games crash on me. Um, Alpha Protocol was not the worst of the bunch, believe it or not. Um, well, not with New Vegas on that list. <laughs> with, and that's another thing. Okay, we'll, we'll just turn this completely around and use that as an example, too. I played Fallout New Vegas on the Xbox 360 before the first patch. During that playtime, there were crashes. None of them were any kind of um, massive loss of time due to the way it auto-saved. Um, I never had anything that I got completely stuck in and couldn't do really anything in. And I, I only had very few very few crashes during the time I played it. So when I reviewed the game, pre-patch, gave it a 4 out of 5, You know, talked really positively about it, a lot of other people were coming out and really bashing the game and talking about how they didn't enjoy it, how they didn't um, like the fact that it crashed all the time. And I didn't experience that near as much as they did. I probably had a small handful of crashes. I think it, I, I guarantee you that White Knight Chronicles on the PlayStation 3 crashed on me more than Fallout New Vegas did. So other people were explaining, you know, they had game saving loss, uh, game save losses, they would lose all this time. I never had that experience, so I couldn't come in and say, that the game was technically flawless because it wasn't, but at the same time, it didn't crash near the amount of, say, Skyrim or Fallout 3 or, you know, White Knight Chronicles. So I had played other games that did it worse. It didn't affect my game dramatically, so I couldn't tear into it for that reason. It was still a great game. What it did outweighed the technical flaws. You know, and it's it's funny you mentioned because I, I had the same experience you did. Mm-hmm. I barely had crashes when I played it. Sam, you played it yep. a year later. I did play it like a year later. four patches but, later. But you know what? People were still complaining even after when I was playing it that it was still a buggy mess. I think the only weird glitch I ever got was when, you know, people got stuck to the ground, which I always thought was really funny. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite glitch. I just find it funny. They, like, get stuck in things, and you're just kind of like, tee like, you can't do anything to me because you're stuck in the ground. Yeah, but... but- circling this back to reviews and that's another thing that we were kind of saying is objectively was the game technically flawless was adventure time technically flawless not at all but you know we've still got to share our experience because that's what people come to read these reviews for believe it or not 90 people that read reviews for this for the sake that we actually write the reviews really want to hear our experience I'm sure there's people out there that I, want to see, read I would disagree. Read dis- I, I think people read this to confirm their own biases. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the, the wrong approach for them to take, but I'd have to concur <laughs> that that does happen. <laughs> no, no, that is basically what everyone does it for. <laughs> like, that, that there are studies for that. It's why people get upset when we're the bottom of the curve on Metacritic. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I, like yeah. I, as I was going to say, like I, I do believe that um, all reviews are subject to personal whim because I, I know people who are in love with cell shaded art and people who hate it. I know people who love pixelated uh, art and others who hate it. Uh, and, and then I, I know people who love things like Final Fantasy Thirteen and other people who hate it. Like, the, there's such a spectrum of, of what we find to be aesthetically pleasing, whether it is just in terms of visuals and 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 music and gameplay variants and and different options in the game. There's so many different things that change the experience up for each person that plays it. It can be helpful if you're able to kind of distinguish what a reviewer tends to like. And if you are able to identify that you often agree with that reviewer, then maybe you would find some value in that game, which is what I think is probably the better approach to take as opposed to confirming your own biases. Well, and well, again, how much of it is up to how, – how much of this is incumbent on the reviewer to set aside personal taste, particularly for aesthetics and music, and just say, stepping back from what I believe about chiptunes and – in modern games and just playing this and going, okay, are these at least good chip tunes? <laughs> like, One thing is I'll it ask, on, is it on the reviewer to say that? It, it really can be. What I think the best thing that you can do in a review is to sit and tell people exactly what you did and didn't like and why. Now that may seem like the most common thing and you know, duh, what, why not? What, People don't. What else know. would a review be? Yeah, but people but don't. I can't count. You know, a review does me no good if somebody just says, "Man, this game was awesome. It was fantastic. I loved every minute of it." Who cares how much you loved it? Tell me what was good about it. Tell me why you loved it. Sell me on the experience. See, and I'm actually kind of the opposite in that sense. I want people to tell me what's wrong with things. That's yeah. my favorite part of reading reviews. I don't care how much you enjoyed something. Tell me what's wrong with it. Because if there are things that you think are wrong with it, I'd be curious to know what those are, and if, when I play it, am I going to run into similar problems? And I'm okay oh, yeah. with that, because I'm still, like, if someone says there's minor glitches in a game, I'm like, you know what, I'll still give it a go. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind, because, and this is where, you know, what you were saying, Trent, about, you know, kind of getting to know the reviewer. I'm the problematic reviewer on RP Gamer because I play anything, and I don't have a set taste in what I like because I'm willing to try anything if it means that it has something that draws me in. That and you pathologically check check off the coverage list. I do. Like <laughs> I things, do. things can't go unreviewed if no one's interested. <laughs> Sam yeah. must play it and tell you, yes, it was in fact a two. Yes. <laughs> one, of the, one, of the, one of the favorite pieces from RP Gamer that actually brought me to the site long before I ever even thought about writing for it was uh, Adrian did a review of Star Ocean uh, oh, yes, for yes. Xbox 360. Yes. And he got so, like, he didn't enjoy the game. And, like, I've played it and I've played the international version. And, Sam, I know that you played and reviewed the international version for the PlayStation 3. Okay. And, and I saw it and was struck mad for a a month <laughs> like, like i i think i think today a lot of people maybe emotions were just running high at the time but i feel like today if we were to look back <laughs> with a more objective lens if i can use that word um i i think a lot of people would agree that there are problems with that game no because we posted that game that games of the generation thing and people still threatened me with violence for saying the color palette was awful and the voice <sighs> acting was terrible <laughs> 
You asked oh. for that, though, my dear. <laughs> but, but I did not though, ask like, for that. I, I, I demanded it. I feel looking back that that there's there's definitely spots of that game that a lot of people could probably recognize as needing improvement. But at the time, I remember just being blown away at like the vitriol, the, the hatred that was being flung at this reviewer for simply explaining what he didn't like about the game. And like he made no qualms about where he stood on the series up until that point and, and the company that produced it and, and all the different aspects that he enjoyed. But he was very blunt about the stuff that he didn't like. And I, I find a lot of value in those types of reviews. So it always blows me away when uh, a, a, a hate out of 10, as I like to use that term, or, or like a, anything lower than an 8 out of 10, and people just go bananas. And, and I don't get it because it's not one person saying for the whole of the universe that this game is forever this number out of 10. It's one person saying that to that person, they did not enjoy it as much as other people might. Well, well that, that get, that's hitting two separate topics, scoring and fan reaction, which are on the list of show yeah. topics. Keep Tune in for those. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. again... Oh, go ahead, Mike. Go. I was... What I was going to try to take a point to was, has there ever been a situation where you have played a game that you truly enjoyed, you would consider it a game that you would like to play again, you really had a good experience with it, but still, you could not give it a glowing review. For whatever reason, there were issues with it that you had to bring up, there were problems with it that you had to state. I've had multiple games, one of them stands out for me exactly as one of my favorite role-playing games of all time is Final Fantasy XII. Love, love, love that game. Has my favorite battle system of all time. There is absolutely uh, nothing about that battle system that I don't enjoy. Um, and the international version added even more cool stuff to it. Love that aspect of it. Yet still, when it came down to the review for the game, I, I, I can see the game's flaws. I'm not saying it's perfect. I don't believe a perfect game exists. Yes, um, it does. It's Tetris. Mainly because, <laughs> yeah, uh, even then. Um, but the idea of a perfect game or something that fits a perfect score or something along those lines, it doesn't exist. But to be able to take a game that you enjoyed, that you really loved aspects of, that you would consider an all-time favorite, and to be able to say, you know what, this really wasn't a top-tier game. There were issues with it. Here are the problems. Here's what you ran into. Here's what I didn't like but still have enough glowing to say about it to say it is one of my all-time favorites. I think a lot of people, when they read reviews, don't take that into consideration. It's like when you go out to a restaurant and you have one of your favorite meals and you find a hair in the meal. Does it change the fact that that food is food that you love, that you've enjoyed this restaurant for many times, that you had fantastic service, they even comp the meal afterwards, but it doesn't change the fact you still found a hair in your, you know, lasagna or in your chicken parmesan or something like that. There are problems that you'll run into, but that shouldn't be the only thing that you look at and sit and say, well, they didn't like this. They must hate this game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I'm going to defend it, and it's objectively fantastic, and you should realize that it's a masterpiece of gaming. And no, that's not the way it works. Reviews are our experience. And I guess I am a little too idealistic because I agree with you all that the fact that most people really do read reviews just to justify their own bias or 
they know they're going to buy the game, so they want somebody else to tell them that it's going to be fantastic because the industry's in a state nowadays to where it's, you know, if, if a game doesn't sell 3 billion copies, another one might not get made. So everybody has to give it great reviews, so everybody will go buy it. Ooh. And that's the kind of state that we're in. Which is nonsense. But the NeoGAF posts, when we bomb something that is truly terrible, and it's like, this is why the JRPG industry is dying in the West. I'm like, yes, yeah, that's why. It, it, it's not the lack of quality that comes out of some of these products. It's the fact that people don't give them glowing scores yes. or fantastic reviews or undeserved things. And GameFAQs is worse. Um, yep. Way, way, way worse. But we won't even get into that. That could be a whole other topic on its own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of my biggest struggles with objectivity, at least I feel on the part of the reader, is that in order to believe in the concept of objective reviews, you kind of have to have in mind a benchmark or a placeholder to what should be considered an objectively good game. And and you would use that game uh, to compare to all other games in terms of like visual style and, and gameplay modes and, and, and artistry and it, and it's so scary because there there's so many games that come out in, in different sizes and different looks and, and they can all be really good in different ways. And I feel like if you really do believe that an objectively good game exists and you're using it to compare it to other games to yes, see if all games a- must be measured by the yardstick that is Tetris. We well, we well, agree. <laughs> But there are some people out there that even today believe that like an RPG isn't good if I don't feel like it stands up next to Final Fantasy VII. Or Chrono Trigger, or something or, along or, those or lines. Or Chrono Trigger. We have plenty of uh, old veteran RP gamers uh, on the site who, who are, are obviously in love with Chrono Trigger, as I suppose you should be. But you, you compare that game, which exists in its own time, with its own art style, with its own gameplay, with its own everything, and you're comparing it to modern releases that bear little resemblance, and you're saying, well, it's not Chrono Trigger, so clearly it's not a great RPG. Clearly it's not a perfect RPG. Well, and that and also feel- there's also some people who have a teleological view of game design, which is another uh, foolhardy notion we can tackle in a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just feel like all you're doing by believing in objective reviews is limiting yourself to experiences. Very true. Now, going back to one of the points that was just made as far as the fact that there's got to be a benchmark. There's got to be something that you say that's absolutely there. This is the model that you're wanting to hold up to. One issue that I've run into, and I don't want to get too deep into scoring, um, but what I've run into with another of our site reviewers is the fact that every time I write a review, after you've after you've written quite a few reviews, it's it's impossible. You can't go back and say, well, I gave these games this kind of review or this kind of score so is this game really better than this one you know because just like trent said everything's judged in its own time you can't objectively look at you know a legend of zelda a link between worlds and compare it directly to a link to the past because those those two games came out in different eras on different systems at a different place in time when you've had different experiences coming between those so there's no way to sit and say well this game is absolutely so much better than this one, or, you know, this game, how dare you give it less than this when it's newer and it's better? And I've, I've run into that complaint with other, you know, other people that write for the site that will sit and say, well, but, but you totally how can gave you give this one a Dragon four? Warrior 4 a five, uh, a four and a half. 
how how can you say that this is not as good as Dragon Warrior 4? Well, I've actually run into that problem with a great example for a series that I review is the Atelier games. Mm-hmm. I gave Rorona and Meruru 4.5s, and looking back, having played a lot of the newer installments, which have done newer and better things for the series, there's a part of me that looks back and going, you know, there was a time and place for Rorona. Would I score it the same way I did? No. Right? right? Like, I gave it a 4.5, and, you know, looking back, I probably should have gave it now, like, that I've had all these newer experiences. Well, we're, we're Maybe a 3.5. <laughs> we're all victims of novelty. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like, even scoring Aisha, you know, I had that really scary personal experience with it, and I think it's one of the best Atelier games of the bunch, but because that series kind of doesn't change enough it's like how can you decide to give it a higher score in some cases you can't yeah if the yeah. series is known for the same stuff over and over again this is where i get mad with games like zelda and pokemon because they can be as stagnant as they want but we still give them 10 out of 10 and you know that's a personal beef of mine it's like if a series doesn't change enough why are we still championing it like it's still a piece of perfection mm-hmm. like i love adrian dearly when I played Zelda Wind Waker HD, I would have given it like a three out of five. <laughs> because to me, it's the same freaking game I played on the GameCube. And I didn't like it then. You can have selfies now, though. No, that's well, something between well, about, worlds, my dear. You don't feel like that's with the extra two points. <laughs> no. Like that, to me, like it's like saying I would love to give Adventure Time an extra point for Huggies. Yeah. I think the scary thing, and again, not to get too deep into review scores, but I feel like scoring can can have a lot of scary consequences as well. And as a website, too, you can lose, I I do feel like you can can lose credibility on your words based on what scores you've delivered in the past. Well, and RP Gamer has been dealing with that for years. Yeah. Um, Adrian got death threats for that Star Ocean review. Yeah. He got death threats for... Tales of Symphonia, Dawn of a New World. I remember that one because he was actually giggling about the death threats he got. <laughs> I got some for Time and Eternity, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I mean, it's amazing what people's behaviors can can muster just because well, they the, don't like something you say. They're trying to put it on a on a different scale. They're trying to put it on that objective scale of how dare you not like this. And Again, like you said, uh, I believe it was Trent that said something along the lines of the decline of – or Scott might have said, you know, you talk about the decline of the JRPG. That's why things are going bad, and that's why we don't get games. When I reviewed Dragon Quest VI, that was a game that I'd been looking forward to. I had just come to learn to love the Dragon Quest series with Dragon Quest IV and V. I had played eight and wasn't a fan. I'd played the original and wasn't a fan. So I'd played both of those ends of the spectrum. But it wasn't until the DS games I really fell in love with the series with 4. So 5 came along. It was fantastic as well. And then 6 hit. And I was like, oh yeah, more. It's got some new features. It's got a job system. And I hated it. I didn't hate it, hate it, as in it's an awful game. But comparatively to those other Dragon Quest games, it was not in the same league. So when my review came out, I was very negative about a lot of things. And it's a fan favorite for very many people. And I can understand exactly where some of these people were coming from. They love the job system. They love the slower pace. It takes forever to ramp up to where you even get the job system, let alone can do anything with it. 
but some people enjoyed the fact that they could take that game and just play it for hours and hours and hours. Objectively, the game takes forever to get to, to get to that content. There's no denying that fact that it takes a certain amount of playtime compared to the rest of the game to get to that point. Is that fun? For me, it wasn't. And, you know, did that, that was, you know, that's a personal struggle that you run into as well, because, you know, Dragon Quest is a series that's not necessarily done very well here in the States. Uh, Dragon Quest VI was one of the more recent Dragon Quests that came out, and there haven't really been a whole lot since then. So, you know, did I personally help cause the decline of Dragon Quest in the West by not liking a game that I didn't think was fun? How do you judge that? How do you make that kind of decision? Yeah. I, I think that the emotions run high for reviews partially because they do affect sales at the end of the day. I mean, like a lot of us like to talk about how they don't because there are the Call of Duty ghosts of the world who can get like fives out of ten and still sell like hotcakes. And I think some of that is just franchise momentum. But we have seen plenty of instances where a, a single game is released in a long-running series and it comes out and reviews just pan it and the company has to fold or the series hits a dead halt because there wasn't enough commercial uptake because the game just was not received well. So I think I think part of the reason why people get so hot and fiery over it and, and feel the need to say things like, you're the reason why our genre is decaying, is because the way that things are received can actually inform whether someone decides to purchase it or not. Whether it should be that case, I can't really say. But I do feel like the reviews and the way that those reviews are framed ultimately do have an impact on how well a game does commercially and how whether or not that franchise will continue. Well, I mean, look at Rune Factory. <sighs> that is a perfect yep. example of it. That series is one of the most up-and-down series. And I've reviewed every single one for RP Gamer. And I can tell you straight up, Every single one of them has its high points and its low points. And while 4 was a commercial success in Japan and it did very well here for the most part, they couldn't justify keeping their doors open. Yeah. Because it's like the interest in that was kind of dying. And mm -hmm. in my in my sense, do I look at, did I kill the Rune Factory series by giving Rune Factory 4 a 3 out of 5? I know I didn't do that. And I, yeah. you know, I don't feel that that's what I did. That's me going, you know, I've reviewed every single game. You know, this is how I feel about it. Objectively, there is great things about this and bad things about it. But, you know, I, I admit to being the first person who was very sad about them hearing, you know, them closing their doors. Yeah. Because it's still a series that even though I get so mad at it and I have a very love-hate relationship with it, I still love it. I mean, like, that love-hate is, is a fire in me. To be fair, I, I, I very much prefer the fact that all the reviewers for this site, and reviewers I feel in general, take their roles, um, they, they not only approach what they say with authority, but they, they understand the responsibility involved enough to really try and emphasize where they're coming from with the experience. And, and they do that because even though there might be a negative effect that comes out of it, like some people may not buy it, at the end of the day, there is credibility there. Like, there are websites out there which are dedicated to a specific genre or a specific platform, and they lack credibility because their reviews will always have a more positive bias or a halo effect around it based on whatever the theme of that website may be. So I can understand yeah. so, where people... Oh, so I shouldn't... So, so you're saying OXM may have been too kind to Mech Assault 2? 
Actually, I'll give OXM a lot of credit. They actually are on the camp of being very, you know, they take their jobs very seriously. OXM, it, it, like, it, and I've seen, I've seen instances in with that specific publication where I've been, it happens. I've been surprised at how positively and how negatively they've reviewed things. So I can't, I can't say for sure. It really depends on the reviewer, in my opinion. But there, there are instances out there in the industry where a particular site with a particular slant will say things a particular way. Yeah. So, I guess whatever. a better example is going lo- looking at old Nintendo powers from the NES era, where if a game was terrible, they just kind of wouldn't talk about it much. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and, and I appreciate the fact that there are people on the site that are, are so passionate about RPGs, for example, that they're willing to say, okay, these are all the problems. And there are people like uh, Sam and Adrian who are able to say, I really did not like the latest Star Ocean. It really makes me wish I didn't waste my time playing it. Now, if that offends people, that's unfortunate. But I feel like it's really narrow-minded to say things along the lines of this is the reason why the uptake for the RPG genre has stilted or this is the reason why not so many copies are being sold because it really is a balance between credibility and personal experience and one thing I've run into as well that that you'll see out there that kind of keeps people wondering how skewed people really are towards reviews and how honest they can be is, you know, what kind of interaction do they have with other people, with other players? What kind of situation were they in when they reviewed it? Were they in a situation where they felt pressured by a publisher or something like that? Well, and that's um, a good example. Well, and this is, that that's still subjectivity. It's just not personal subjectivity anymore. Well, I mean, we've even, we have great situations where in terms of dealing with publishers, like one of my favorite publishers to deal with is NIS America. And Michael, you know exactly what I'm going to say. Yep. They know that they have some games that are absolute garbage. They will tell you, like, in an email of, like, I hope you enjoy it, but I will completely understand if you don't. <laughs> and they are perfectly okay with the fact that, you know what, that they have to try something different. And if it sells, great. If it doesn't, that's okay, too. Yeah, Those are my favorite emails <laughs> to get. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever, I don't think they ever come out and say, we know this game sucks directly. They may allude to the fact or or say something along those lines, but they understand where people will come in from and why people might not like things. But one thing that you'll run into as well is situations to where that honesty is what is required. Like Trent said, you've got to bring about the fact that if you truly dislike a game, you truly tear into it and give it your complete vitriol because not because you have a personal grudge against the game or trying to get on a soapbox and make a statement about it. It's generally because you didn't like it. There were problems with the game and you really wanted to make sure people knew that so they didn't get involved and so that they didn't hit the same problems you did. Mm -hmm. And that kind of honesty brings people back because when you bring a review that's glowing, that's just fantastic, people will listen. They'll remember and they'll say, okay, this guy doesn't just give lip service to every single thing that comes along. Mm-hmm. He's willing to step up or she's willing to step up and say, you know what? This was great and this is why. This was horrible and this is why. They'll trust your opinion more when you're loving a game if you're willing to be honest about it even when you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's my thing. It's, you know, as a reviewer, I feel like if I'm not honest, I'm not doing my job. And nothing drives me more crazy than the people who do write reviews that are nothing but lip service to publishers because they feel, oh, no, if I don't give this niche game 
you know, a good score. I'm never going to see more of it. And I really liked it. Like those are, those reviews truthfully do drive me absolutely bonkers Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like you giving it a high score fixes anything. It doesn't fix their situation. It's just a case of you liked it. Good on exactly. you. And, right? and I, I understand the uh, the upset feeling that kind of comes with seeing a game come out that you've been anticipating and not getting the reception that you probably expected it to. Like um, there's there is one indie title that uh, I played the game and I interviewed the developers when I was at PAX East last year. It was recently released. We had one of our sites for viewers. Um, kind of tear a new one, and I I felt kind of upset when I first saw the score. But that's the problem with the score. I mean, I I, I read the piece itself, and thankfully the reviewer that was doing it is is really uh, knowledgeable about certain game types and was really willing to explain all the ways in which he really appreciated the title and all of the drawbacks and technical limitations and, and issues that made the experience less enjoyable. So I walked away from that experience feeling okay with that judgment and the fact that it was not received well, but only because I really did take the time to dig into the content and understand where the game might have failed. And I feel like part of the problem and part of the reason why there is such a a hatred is because a lot of people don't read the full review or don't really... Uh, understand the full opinion that's being put forward and just kind of take a, a glance at certain aspects. Very true. All right. And I th- there, there is something of a fundamental tension, I think, when, when especially when I come at a review of, I want to, I, I do want to critique. I do want to critique. I do want to get into the nitty gritty and get a little academic about things. But there's still sort of at the end of the day, I have to come down and be a consumer reporter. Like, um, my piece about Persona 4 started off as a retro review, and looking at it, um, I sort of sat I sat back and looked at what I had outlined and what I had started with and said, you know what, no, this needs more of me talking about um, just ha- the, the interaction of an investigative plot with the game mechanics present and less of me just paying lip service to talking about the graphics, and it ran as an editorial. And it was better for that. Well, and there are those situations where you have to make that educated decision. I mean, the reality is you can't have a review be all critique, but you can't have it be all objective either. You have to be able to gauge what you think people are interested in hearing about. Like, my least favorite thing to write about, truthfully, in a review is graphics and music. They mm-hmm. are my two least favorite things to I think that's true about. almost across the site. I think we all hate it just because it's like, they are either serviceable or they're not serviceable. The music was catchy or it was droning. Like, those are the instances where I know for me I struggle to figure out what I want to say. Whereas at least when I've got something like a battle system, I can sit there and I can pick it apart or I can say, you know what, here's why I love it, but here's the part I don't like about it. I love story. Story is my favorite thing to pick on, truthfully, because I find story to be my favorite aspects and why I play RPGs, which, oh my god, people are like, no, no, you play RPGs for stories, what's wrong with you? Like, you don't play games for that. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard that argument before, but... It's weird how often that argument has come up on the site, too. It's almost like that's going to be an episode down the line. No, this is literally... This will be the drinking game. It's not even me just baiting you to subscribe to the RSS, which you should. Rate us on iTunes. 
but no, it's it's we are going to hit. This is a lot bigger, and this is going to be a long-standing project. So, keep, I just keep up. find you know when I have to write about the stuff that doesn't interest me, you can see it in my writing because of just how my personality is. You can see in my writing that I'm just like don't care, don't care. Yeah, so and I there was music, and it was kind of good. <laughs> yeah, unless I get to talk about Shoji Meguro, then I'm kind of like, here's my fangirl side. Look at all the fangirling I do. Oh my god. And then, you know, <laughs> then it's really, really awful, and like, you'll all tune out at that point. Um, I know for me, when I write a review, I try to infuse as much of my personality in it as I can. And for that reason, I am pretty sure that's why the majority of people who come to the site are not fond of me. Because not only do I throw out low scores like it's, you know, my job, but I have a personality that when it comes across in my writing, people kind of look and go like, what is she? I don't know. Is she being objective? Is she being subjective? And a lot of the times I think people, for me personally, they get confused even sometimes by how I approach things. Whereas, you know, some of the other reviewers like Adrian, there's just so much more straightforward than I am. It's like, here's why I don't like it. Here's why. Drop the microphone, walk away. <laughs> right? Like, there, there are people yeah. who, who can do that on the site. Yeah. I am unfortunately not one of them. Yeah. I'm actually the only podcaster here who doesn't do reviews for this site. And it's, it's not for ideological reasons. I, I, I honestly feel as though I'm, I'm too opinionated, I guess. Like, like, the reason why I love doing editorials is I love taking a concept and just, like, oh, just bashing it at all sides and, and seeing what the compelling argument behind the scenes might be. The problem with video games is that I am so over-opinionated and so set in my ways, and I and I, I so thoroughly understand the things that I like and I dislike. I honestly do feel like it would be an open invitation for discourse among the readers or the commenters to whatever my opinion may be. So I think a part of me is actually afraid to put myself out there because I almost expect a negative reaction. And I understand that completely and agree that your sentiments would probably be the exact case that would happen. And for yes. that very reason, I think you would be a fantastic. That's reviewer. exactly why you have to do it. <laughs> Look, I wouldn't say have to, but I, I think I understand where you're coming from. And I think the critique that you can give in an editorial does allow for total subjectivity with no expectation of objectivity, which is a good and liberating thing in and of itself. Also, exploration. There's lots of room to explore how you approach something just by playing it. Right. I know that's the rush I get when I write a review. It's like, how can I approach this and make it something so that people can kind of see where I'm coming from? Um, I mean, I've had unfortunate experiences in reviewing where, you know, people want me to be objective, but there's some situations where it's just not possible. Like a great example is Third Birthday. It's like, how do you be objective with a game like Third Birthday or it did so much to offend people just with how it behaved. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sort of eagerly anticipating when uh, diaspora and colonial literary theory hit the video game world. It's going to be a fun weekend, guys. <laughs> well, the problem is, you know, we're slowly starting to see it. Yeah. And I think when we look at different types of theory, like, you know, I'm a woman, therefore feminist theory does sometimes appear in my reviews. Um you know, I want people to understand where I'm coming from, but very, very often the comment usually is, why do you have your panties in a bunch? Or what the pro what's what's your problem with your vagina? Well, the the Are assumption, you? see, that, and that's uh, sort of unpacking an assumption of objectivity, that the objective viewpoint 
is just kind of happens to be the one of the supposed majority of white dudes. <laughs> well, yeah. Unfortunately, I am not a man. I do not have a penis. And uh, that's very hard for me to do. It, it can't be what of, I'm not. It is kind of hard to take some comments, though. I, I and like it, like not not that we should be complaining because to each their own opinion. But the one comment that I, I see in a lot of reviews, and it and I find it kind of mind numbing, is um, why can't you just turn your brain off and enjoy the experience? Because and, that's not how your brain works, and that's not how well, enjoyment works. <laughs> That's always my response. Like, you can't turn your brain off because you're using it right now. But there, there are some people that are of the mind, like, you know, what you're complaining about in this paragraph is a non-issue. And you shouldn't even be thinking about that when you're playing a game. And, and, and sexism in video games is a great example, Sam. Like, there's plenty even of people out po- there who are like, Politics more broadly in video games. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. Like, there, there are people out there who are willing to um, uh, make the assertion that it's it's all cultural and therein it's acceptable or or it's only an issue because you happen to be a type of gamer that is not them. So it is it's kind of befuddling how how sometimes the way a review is received is dependent on the limitations of the reader. We need objective <laughs> well, readers, not objective reviewers. Well and, and that's where I guess and this is gonna sound really harsh coming out of me. It's like, I'm sorry, but you know, why should I bend to your will if that's the point i mean if we bring in cultural you know for example we look at jrpgs you know i get really frustrated when that argument comes up especially as somebody who has a degree in east asian studies because it's not just japan doing it whether we like to admit to it or not and yes you know like i pick on time and eternity and i pick on third birthday because yes they're from japan and and they kind of deserve it and they're easy targets but (laughs) What's not to say I'm not going to be offended by, Morgan? you know, <laughs> Morgan is offensive. Let's not go there. Um, you know, characters like Morgan, you know, why can't I have a woman in, you know, with a shirt, armor, with a whole shirt, <laughs> with clothing, you know, I like clothes. I think women can be hot with clothes. <laughs> now, um, go, going back to that whole topic of what you were saying, though, is, is it possible to have something that is offensive or that could possibly be taken offensively and you enjoy the other aspects of it so much that you really can switch your brain off and ignore those aspects of it. Is it possible to do that? It is, right? I agree. I will prove that with Dragon's Crown. Dragon's Crown is a perfect example of this in that there are so many scenes in that game that just look so offensive and yet they are so ridiculous at the same time. The moaning... you, you fairy kinda, or whatever. The moaning fairy. The uh, the monk who has a giant crotch shot. Um, the sorceress. You know, like, as much as there's a part of me that goes like, oh, this is kind of offensive, there's another half of me going, on the other hand, is this game taking that very seriously? Mm-hmm. Dragon's Crown is a great example where, me personally, and, you know, I asked Adrian when we were writing the review, um, where we were like, you know what, yes, these things can be offensive, but we don't feel like the game was making it offensive. Because, I mean, let's face it, the, the artist who did the game, he likes to exaggerate all his characters. And when you know that, just by playing a game like Odin Sphere, or um, what's another uh, Muramasa even, right? If you recognize mm-hmm. that within the creator's work, it's a little bit easier to tolerate, I find. Whereas if you don't know anything about the person's work, it's so easy to take it offensive at face value. 
right? So for me personally, Dra Dragon's Crown was a good example where I didn't feel offended. Like as much as there's a part of me that's going, wow, I can like totally flip eggs on the thighs of the Amazon. Um, I still enjoyed playing as her. I still actually had a lot of fun with the game. Because to me, it was like, I don't feel like they were purposely trying to rub the offensiveness in your face the way where Third Birthday did, right? Third Birthday is a great example where you have a naked Aya well, Brea. Yeah, there's a difference between sexism and art and sexism in story, too. Yeah. And uh, I think this isn't the sexism of, episode that's no, coming down the road. But it's funny <laughs> enough that. I mean, these are things where people ask you to speak objectively on that kind of stuff, and you, you mm -hmm. really can't. You really can't in any way. I mean, I mean, I remember getting comments on that review like, you, you called Time and Eternity sexist, but you don't find Dragon's Crown offensive. And when I explained myself to people, they kind of understood where I was coming from. You know, mm -hmm. this is not a game saying, let's have a menage a trois, oh wait, you know, this was a game that was just like, here's a really high fantasy game that's not actually focused on talking about breasts. Even though the sorceress has giant breasts. Sometimes I think, you know, and we'll get onto this in a different episode, I'm sure, looking at like something like localization. Sometimes just having it in text does hurt. <laughs> Alright, so it, you know, we're, we're butting a little bit close to know, our, our runtime. We are. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's fine. But you were coming to the end of the point, so I'm just going to close this out on what one little story I guess I have, and this is something I've been meaning to get out there. So I hate Shadowrun with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. We all know this, and I went out of my way to ask for a review copy of the fifth edition of the game. They didn't come to me. I went to them, and. I did my best to set aside everything that I could, and I, I'm, I was more generous than I should have been. Like, I'm not especially proud of some of the things I've said it, I wrote in that review because I, was, I, I stopped being fair and started being apologetic, and if I could do that again, I'd have come down harder on it, and which is why I think the next review I did for Firefly, that's for, that had a system I love in a setting I love, and I still panned it because it wasn't good enough. And, I, and I'm perfectly happy saying that. This is where I come down on objectivity. I have done worse trying to be objective than just being myself. And I would rather be me than what you want me to be. Yeah, being like objective or forcing system. objectivity will do a disservice to everybody in the long run. I, trying I, to force I, anything like that. Well, I think the moment you force objectivity as fact, like we know it's fact, but when you, you try to force it that this is how it should be, it makes it a lot harder for the people trying to do their jobs. In the case of the reviewing community, um, we're doing you a disservice in every way, shape and form by not being ourselves and by not giving you what you need to know. You don't have to like yeah. what we say, but respect the fact that we are trying to, in a, in our own little way, look out for you somebody saying in a review there's no way anybody could ever like this this game is awful has no redeeming qualities anybody who plays it's a complete and total moron that kind of feedback in a review is not helpful not that's true for roger Moore of... james bond movies it is they are dumb you uh, are dumb for liking uh, them oh <laughs> oh yeah, but wait uh, sean connery's better <laughs> I don't know. No. I, I, 
Personally, I, I'm of the belief that if you're interested in a, in an objective review, you're probably better served just reading the back of the game case. Pretty much. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> or, just, like you know. that there's something to be said for the game designer pre-release interview where they walk you through the mechanics. That's probably more what you actually want. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there are games I know that I've done that for where it's like, oh, I don't care what the reviewers say. I just want to watch somebody play it for me and see if this is something I can handle. I kind of wish I had did that with Time and Eternity. Really wish I had done it for that one. Well, now that we have flogged Time and Eternity three <laughs> times, that is the Sorry. end of that is the end of our main topic. Normally, this would be the part where we move on to feedback, but uh, we don't have feedback yet. So send feedback. There might be prizes or Marvel style no no prizes, depending on uh, how good you are at discussing things with us. So. That being said, we're going to sign off for the night. Uh, feel free to uh, just tell your friends. Talk about us. Do that. Good night. Do enjoy I'm... the active topical banter show. I'm awkward. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nubuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com.